You are listening to Your First 100K, the number one podcast for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and business owners who want time freedom and financial freedom so that they can provide for their families, travel the world, and give back to the less fortunate. If that's you, then sit back and stay tuned in because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Joseph Warren. I started my first multi-million dollar business at age 19 and wasted away my 20s trying to find happiness through money, success, and pleasure. I made millions, but I still didn't feel happy or fulfilled until I learned the real secrets of success. So the big question is this, how can Christian entrepreneurs like us who didn't give up on our dreams build a highly profitable six to seven figure business without being unethical, doing it all ourselves and neglecting our family and our faith? Well, that is the question. And this podcast will give you the solutions and strategies you've been looking for. Thanks for spending time with me today. If you're new here, then welcome. I have a free 10-day training waiting for you over at first100k.com. Again, go to first100k.com to grab your free 10-day training. Today, my featured guest is Whitney Elkin Hutton. I probably said that wrong, but she's going to correct me because I am open to being corrected in my life. Startup Nation, welcome to another amazing podcast where I bring to you successful entrepreneurs who are battle-tested. They have proven it by fire. And when they speak, take notes, write it down, use their strategy Success leaves clues. Whitney is a big fan of that. That's how she got to where she is. She's the director of investor education over at PassiveInvesting.com. Whitney is a real estate maven who, after purchasing her first rental in 2002 and hitting a home run out of the park, I did that when I was 19. Early success can bite you in the butt. Then she nearly lost it all on her second deal took control and figured out how to invest in real estate the right way. She realized that success must leave clues, I told you. So she studied and replicated the very personal finance and wealth creation strategies the wealthy use to create financial freedom. Today, Whitney's a partner in $700 million of real estate, including over 5,000 residential units and more than 1,400 self-storage units across seven states. Uh, flipping over $3 million in residential real estate. Wow. I don't get into all the real estate. I am so like, it's just not my language, right? So like anytime like people want to come on the show and they're like, I am real estate. I made bazillions. I'm like, I have no idea how to speak to you right now. I just don't know your vocabulary. So that is my disclaimer, Whitney. You're going to have to teach us. You're going to have to educate us. She's been on all these top podcasts like Bigger Pockets and others. And she's going to school us today on, you know, because here's what you're thinking. Startup Nation, you're like, hey, I'm running a business. I'm not doing real estate. Like, why are you bringing her on the show? Why why have you brought other real estate experts on the show? I'm doing my business and it has nothing to do with real estate. Well, Whitney has an interesting theory on that. She's saying you could do both. And actually, you should to alleviate some of your pain, your financial pain. So let's hear what she has to say. Whitney Elkins Hutton. 
Welcome to your first 100K, top 100 podcast in entrepreneurship. Fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, first of all. Um, uh, so where I'm at today, actually, we have over 800 million in partnership, uh, 6,500 multifamily and residential units. Well, excuse years. us. Well, no, but rock I mean, star. I, well, the point is, is that, you know, once you put your mind to a process and, you know, a, a goal and, or, you know, are able to implement a process and re rinse and repeat over and over again, you get exponential scaling. Mm. So I love the title of the podcast, right? It's the first hundred K that is the hardest work you will ever do in your life and getting to the next you know, to seven figures is going to be easier than getting to your first hundred K. You know, for someone who's never done it, that sounds ridiculous what you just said. Yet you and I have done it. So we get it. And it really is much easier because you got the product, you got some clients, right? Like it's being validated. You're building a little confidence because the money's coming in and then it just, you got that momentum, right? And momentum just builds upon itself. As long as you don't stop doing what's working, and, and then you get to that first layer of scale, right? I like to say the 100K, you know, mark, it's, it's like that first milestone in business where now you got to pivot some of those strategies that got you to that in order to go to 1 million, right? So let's talk about that, Whitney. Like, what did you do right? You hit a home run out the park. You know how many listeners want to hit a home run right out the park? But they've been swinging at the fences, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball. I had 10 foul balls, 10 business failures myself. So how do they avoid that or just stop swinging and missing? How do they hit a home run in business? What'd you do right? Well, so for this particular um, you know, deal back in 2002, I bought a house with a significant other and it was in dire need of rehab. And never in my wildest dreams did I think real estate was going to be the business that I ended up in. I actually, at that point in time, was working full time for the CDC. I was traveling almost 80 hours a week. And a story that I rarely tell is that I was building a health practice on the side, a health and nutrition practice. And so I, like you, uh, I probably had in, in the business arena, I probably had four or five startup failures in the health arena before I actually built a nutrition practice, sold it, and then turned around and just built a general coaching practice. And that I actually have scaled to over six figures. And so real estate is one pillar that I've built, but, you know, you know, going in on the business side of things, you know, I, I've you know, been through every pain in the book. Um, that that your listeners have experienced. Um, <clears throat> so I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to, you know, get myself out of my day job. I'm thinking it's going to be coaching and business, but I hear I bought this house and I know it needs this dire rehab. Um, month later, the relationship falls apart and I'm like, I need out from underneath this. This thing's going to crush me. All of the expenses, the utilities. I didn't even want to buy the house to begin with. So took 11 months, rehab the house, and then I put it up for sale. I'm thinking... Thank goodness I'm, I'm out from underneath this. Well, when I sold the property, I had roommates living with me that were covering all the bills. Mm. But I was so focused that I must get out of this pain that I wasn't seeing the whole journey that was happening around me. I sold the property. I walked away with 52000 free and clear in my pocket. And then I realized, wait a second, I haven't been paying for anything. The principal insurance, taxes, insurance. I hadn't been paying for all the utilities. As a matter of fact, I've been making money every month. And I'm like, 
I did this with my primary residence and this didn't require that much additional work than what I was putting in in my day job and then also trying to build a health practice on the side. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be kind of like my side hustle, right? This is, this is what's going to kind of help allow me to give me some of that freedom to start taking other risks and other chances um, in, you know, either taking on different jobs or in, in scaling this, you know, I so wanted to have a business of my own. <laughs> I want to so, jump in right here and ask you, like you were trying for this whole time to get out from that rehab. You saw it as a problem, not an opportunity. You finally get out. You realize, oh, I was having all my bills covered for a, that year. I made about $1,000 a week while I was in this problem, this perceived problem. But did you actually enjoy like rehabbing the house and doing all that where you're like, you know what? Why not? Let's go back into it. Or did you actually think it was a nightmare and you chose to go into it anyway because it was lucrative? Uh, both. <laughs> there are things about that. And I think this is something that every engineer entrepreneur runs into. There are things that about their business that they absolutely love doing. They, they love working with their customer. They love solving the problem, but usually the hot pokers under the fingernails are the administrative things, the things that keep them wildly distracted. And for me in this particular rehab, I loved painting. I loved making everything beautiful, just reviving this 1960s property. I mean, even ripping out the shag, green shag carpet and, and moving walls around. I love doing all that. You know, the hot pokers under the fingernails for me was I quickly realized I should not be doing any plumbing or electrical work on this property. <laughs> Hired that out to the experts. And so, um, but that was a lesson learned for me because I had to, I tried to do it myself. And then I realized, hey, it was more expensive because I ended up having that bring in the expert anyway. <laughs> um, you know, but then I just wasted a whole bunch of time because I probably could have exited the property three months earlier and probably for a better price in a different part of the sales cycle um, than if I just brought in the experts to begin with. But I just didn't know what I didn't know. I thought, you know, business, this all has to be done by me. Like I'm the one that's gonna make this happen. And, you know, this is a lesson that I've had, I've been shown multiple times over and probably just in the last seven, eight years really have learned it, that it's not the, how it's the who you've got to have those who's in your network that are going to help you get to the next level. So you said that you didn't know what you didn't know. So how do you know who the who is that you actually require in order to be successful in the current thing that you're in? Right. And I'm speaking on behalf of my listener right now. Some of them don't know who they need. They know there's parts of what they're doing that they absolutely hate. Like you said, how do, how do you figure that out? Well, you know, for me, I always, I'm constantly asking myself three questions. The first question is, you know, purely, what do I want? What am I trying to get at? What is my end goal? Um, and then why do I want it? Right? Because what, you know, we can want to bring in 10 K or, you know, 50 K a month in our business, right? You know, we can, we, we can want anything, but to really connect to heart centered self as to why you want it, that's, what's going to be the guiding light. And the reason why I, I, I say really dig into that why, and I'm not just like ask yourself once. I mean, go Tony Robbins style, ask why seven layers deep. And usually you're going to land on a freedom. And 
it's either going to be financial freedom, time freedom, choice freedom, impact freedom, location independence. Those are usually the why's people are creating a business. Now, this is super, super important. You have to know these two things before you can get down to like what, you know, um, you know, what are those mindsets, the skills and the team, the network you need to have in place. If you don't know the why, you don't know why you can build anything, right? You know, then it's just like, who do I need in my world to get me to the next level? Like, what do I need in my world to get me to the next level? Do I have to level up my mindset? You know, we were talking before the show, the mindset that got you to, you know, even the first hundred thousand dollars in your business isn't going to, isn't going to get you to the next seven figure level. And then the seven figure mindset is not going to get you to the eight figure mindset, right? You're constantly, these are questions you're constantly have to, having to reiterate on and scale for yourself. Um, what skills do you need? Um, there's a laundry list of skills that you can write down, but I challenge people, you know, even early on, even, even at the very beginning of your business, identify those things that as you're learning these skills or learning about these skills that you need to run your business, what do you love? What lights you up and what is kind of like energy neutral? And then what are the things you're just like, Oh dear Lord, please. I don't let me do this for like six months and get those things that you don't like doing or don't want to learn about, get those outsourced ASAP. And that starts getting into your network, right? Who can take me to the next level? So, so if you figure out, right, here's what I don't like. And these, these tasks that I have to do that are required for my business, they literally suck the life out of me and make me not want to do this anymore, right? So you know now, okay, I got to off, offload these to someone else. Yet you don't have the funds to do it. You don't have the cash flow to do it. Were you in that position? And if so, what do you do with that? Yeah. So um, first, I take everything through a logical process. You know, first is, you know, is there anything that you know, of that list of the things that you think that you really have to do, those energy sucking, draining things, you know, interrogate them. Do you really have to do this to run your business? There are a lot of things that we pick up that we think that we have to do for our business to run smoothly. Now, I might blow some people's minds to it, but I don't do social media. I just don't. I'm on LinkedIn. You know, I, I post randomly on Facebook, but like I don't have a social media platform. I have leaned in into other ways to bring in clients to my business. Now, that may not work for everybody, for everybody's business, but I use it as an example. I don't like social media. It's a hot, hot pokers under the finger, fingernails for me. It has not proven to bring me in any additional clients or higher quality clients. So I don't do it. I delete it. Okay. Then, you know, what can, of the things that are left on the list, what can you lean into automate? So how can you take advantage of technology? Um, apps like, you know, you know, your whole Google stack, or maybe you're on your Microsoft stack, you know, how can you zap your things in between your customer relations platform? What are, how can you automate as much as possible? Now, some people are like, I still don't even have the budget to pay $10 a month for Zapier or whatever. Great. You write everything out on a Google doc, all your processes, all your emails, all your templates, whatever that step-by-step -step process is. So now you don't have to think you can seriously just cut and paste the next step of the process. You may have a spreadsheet, but as quickly as you can, you're going to want to institute a technology layer. What can you automate? And then of what's left over, 
you've got two more steps you can take. Is there anything here that you're just like, I can defer, right? Like I know somebody needs to be doing this. This is critical to my business, but what can I defer and hire out layer? Meaning I'm either, I have to keep it for myself and do it, or um, I just need to push pause and revisit it every 90 days to see if it's now a critical layer in my business. And then you're going to be left with like a pool of things, you know, hopefully just like four or five, maybe six tasks that, that are absolutely mission critical to your business. You haven't been able to delete it. You haven't been able to automate it. You know, it's something you can't kick off, you know, for 90 or 180 days because it's mission critical. Then great. That, that is the thing that you need to now um, either own or delegate to somebody. And, and what's I the number one thing that all business owners are trying to dodge that is mission critical? Oh, well, I, it sounds like that there's a, a, a specific answer you're looking for here. But I think for one, um, you know, people are, you know, they either don't own their finances or they don't own the communication to their customers very well. And, you know, uh, I think if they could solve one of those two pieces, then they're going to be, you know, well set up to go to the next level. And, you know, a lot of us think that if, you know, if we're not building our, and when I mean communication to, to customers, it's the marketing, it's the consistent, you know, branding and, and talking to the customer, having a conversation with them, meeting them where they're at, moving them off that other platform and bringing, it on, bringing that person onto their platform. I talked to so many business owners and they were like, oh, it would be amazing if I had more clients. And I'm like, great, what are you doing for lead sourcing? They're like, uh, I go to some networking events and I'm like, that's not lead sourcing. It could be one channel, but how are you consistently and persistently showing up every single day to speak to your customer? I think you're spot on. That's the number one thing I hear on this show, whether it be through listen, from listeners or people, uh, my guests that have come on the show and they struggled with it when they were starting out and they finally had to take extreme ownership of talking to people, talking to their prospective customers and then selling them on their product. Like, and we avoid it. And we get caught up in the automations and I build the website and oh, my business card needs a revamp. Oh, my logo. Oh, this. Oh, that. And mm -hmm. the bottom line is, Startup Nation, you're just not out selling. You're not out talking to your clients and asking them, hey, what do you actually want? Like, I don't want to guess anymore. Like, what do you want? Like, if I built it for this pain that I think you have, first off, is it even that painful to you? Is it painful for you enough where you will pay me X amount if I solve it in 30 days? I come back to you with a solution in 30 days. Will you pay me? Yes or no? Like, what if you would just direct with people about that? And of course, you got to build the trust and the communication. But what if you actually got straight answers from them? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I'd pay you this much if you took away that problem. That's a major problem for me. And you, build, and you collected, I don't know, 10 people, 50 people you interviewed. And then like all of a sudden you're like, okay, I got like 50 credit cards waiting for me to swipe if I go do the work. That's called motivation. <laughs> well, and then still some people are hesitant to even take that step. Um, maybe it's, uh, you know, 
yeah, one of the exercises that I, one of my early coaches put me through, she was like, go ask your network and ask them what they think you're really good at. And what my network came back to me and they thought I was good at, I'm like, man, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I want to build X, right? And that sometimes is where you have to, uh, you know, where I kind of stepped into the, uh, for lack of a better analogy, a Trojan horse theory. Like I really wanted to talk about time, efficiency, productivity, you know, how could you live a better life that way? But people were resonating me, resonated with me because of, you know, my financial journey, but also because of my real estate journey. And I'm like, I don't necessarily want to coach somebody how to build a house or not build a house, but build a portfolio of single family properties. But I had, you know, 50 people waiting to pay me for that. And so it was just like, okay, hold on. This is their need. But what they really want is something else behind the scenes that I can deliver to them. And so pay attention. I encourage people to pay attention to that. Like, don't be afraid if somebody is like, I'm wanting to pay you for you to deliver X skill that you're really good at when you really want to teach why, because there still could be something, a good relationship there for you and a good um, opportunity for you to be able to not only serve them, but also fulfill what you, um, you know, think that they truly need, because oftentimes people don't know what they need. They have no idea. They're chasing tactics and strategies, just like most entrepreneurs, right? Uh, as opposed to going into the core, core-centered work. That's so good. I think you're absolutely correct. You know, so many times we're like, I want to do X. And then people around you are like, yeah, but you're so good at Y. <laughs> and you're like, but I don't like Y. But you're so good at it. Like it's helped me in the past and I'm not even a client. Like I just think like if you could help other people with Y, whatever Y is, like you could do really well. And you're like, no, I want X, I want X. Yet you have no market for X. You have no potential customers. It's literally crickets out there. Like, why are you gonna go out and chase, try to find all those people that want that product when you have one just sitting there that Whitney is saying, hey, you can find your X in your customer's why, if that makes sense. Uh, this is a very cryptic conversation all of a sudden. No, it's like if your customer is coming to you to solve a why, right? Like I know you're talking about the letter why, but come on, yeah. they're coming to you for a why. And so, you know, there's an undercurrent there. You know, people come to solve a surface level problem. And, um, you know, most people come to solve a surface level problem, right? Um, and once you help them identify that there are other things that are blocking their progress underneath, um, you know, you have an opportunity to, to, to really impact people's lives. That's so cool. You know, I know for me, like I wanted to go do whatever and people like, you know, what's your, like when I asked, like you, you suggested and others have suggested, like just reach out to some people. Hey, what do you think I'm really good at? Or maybe I even make it look easy. That's not common. And, uh, people came back like you encourage me to do things that I would never do before. Like you literally put courage into me and then I say yes to like hard decisions and then I do it and then I get a result that shifts or changes everything for the better in that area. And I was like, huh, I do? I just thought I like people. <laughs> it's easy for you, right? And, and I think there's, uh, you know, I, for me personally, I thought that business had to be a struggle. Exactly. 
That's that's exactly it. And I, I'm using myself as an example, Startup Nation, for you because there may be something as simple as that encouragement that you're taking for granted that's already pre-wired in you. You're so gifted. You're so talented at this. You just haven't connected it to how you can monetize that and serve people who really need that. And when I finally started to connect, like, okay, where would people want to feel courageous and make hard decisions in their life that could change things for their life? Oh, I don't know. Maybe in their parenting, maybe in their business, maybe in their marriage. Like there's so many verticals. And then I connected it to, as Whitney said, like my ex, which is like, well, what area or what vertical do I really feel energized when I serve people? And it turns out it's in there, the human relationships, right? So now I serve high level successful men in what? In their, their marriages. And I help them avoid the divorces. And I help them reconnect with their kids in powerful ways and get re-inspired and connect with God, relationship with their, their maker, right? So like, yeah, I'm in the business of, of relationships and transformation, but it turns out they want to make more money. Well, when they go home and they make the hard decisions at home and then show up powerfully as a husband and a father, guess how they show up in their business? Like bleeping Superman and people throw more money at them. So like across the board, it just works now. But yeah, that took years to dig into that, right? So Whitney, thank you for pointing that out. I think that's powerful. So Startup Nation, what is your superpower just hiding right there? Everyone sees it. They're acknowledging it, but you don't. And then incorporate it into what you're doing. Or if you're having no success in what you're doing and it doesn't involve your superpower, get the bleep out and shift and just try, dabble with it. And you may just we run into what Whitney did. Yeah, we all have a strength, you know, uh, and, and it's just a matter of it being you know, us realizing what that is. And sometimes, you know, we can't see it for ourselves. So rely on those, you know, those people that you love, know, love and trust around you to help you figure that out. All right. So Whitney, once you got like, Hey, this is what I'm good at. This is what people want help with. And you connected your X and your Y. Uh, how did you market? Like what was the number one marketing strategy that has worked for you to build this super successful real estate portfolio? Uh, okay, so I actually, so my my whole journey um, has been up until this point in time in public health. I was doing a lot of either, you know, uh, scientific writing or technical writing. Never in a million years that I ever see myself as being a blogger, nor um, speaking on stage. These are all things that I've been completely terrified to do. The thing is, is that I've actually, you know, kind of like talking about the superpowers, I have um, a, a ability, an unconscious superpower to be able to take complex topics and strip them down. And so when I started taking this concept, you know, looking at all these, all these people in the space that were talking about real estate, talking about finances and just saying, wow, they're really just talking over people's heads. What if we take this content and strip it down to answer three questions and three questions only what, why, and how? we can just you know, and get it get that read down to under four minutes i wonder what would happen and so i did that and then i was just like okay let's talk about how can we stack on top of that i've created this content how can i then just like 
just start talking to normal everyday people as if it was a conversation online and talking about this content that I've already created, right? Those were the only two things that I did in my business was writing and then coming at the content as education, not so much as selling. Now, here's the thing. It's like 99.9% .9 education. And by the end, I always, and I had to learn this. I started flexing the muscle at the end. And here's your call to action. And I think, you know, we were talking before, you know, what do most people not do? They don't have a lead generation system. And then if they do, they, are, they don't make that call to action in their their lead generation system. They just assume if I put a blog out there, if I put a post out there, if I put a YouTube out there, whatever it is, that people are just going to be like, oh, she's amazing. Let's go talk to her. No, people are moving far too fast for that. You have to literally tell the person, well, this is the next step in the process. If you like this, then let's do Y together. And this is how you can get to Y. You know, I picture like the listener has the most prettiest house on the block and they're giving away, I don't know, free filet mignon on the inside of their home, right? And uh, it's they're offering it to everybody who's walking by, right? But they refuse to go outside and invite people in and let them know, hey, I have filet mignon, it's free of charge. If you like, come on in. And they just assume I have filet mignon and people are hungry out there, so they're just gonna walk in. The problem is, People will walk right by because most people don't just self-invite themselves. Like that's considered rude. Like people have like, I don't know, relationship etiquette. Like so many people are scared to walk over to another person and introduce themselves. So many. Maybe that's you, Startup Nation. So you wouldn't just walk into a house with a door open, even though you smell filet mignon if you weren't invited by the owner. So that's all... Whitney's talking about is like, write your filet mignon, post it, put it out there, let the world know, hey, I've got filet mignon. You like the smell? You're hungry? You look hungry. But then at the end, say, hey, come on in. Do you want to come in? If you want more, if you want to bite, just take this one simple action. But if you don't ask them and if you don't invite them, people will keep walking by your product or service, even though they desperately need it or want it. Is that fair, Whitney? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, and it's not just one time. You have to ask them repeatedly. So every single blog post, every single video, whatever your methodology of choice is, you have to, or your lead magnet of choice, you have to continually ask them. Because it's it, there's a crazy st statistic out there by the Harvard, Harvard Business Journal that you know, somebody has to interact with you or your brand a minimum of seven times before they're going to take the next step. And most people actually only do three touches of follow-up. Yeah. And I think that seven touch point statistic is so outdated because of all the noise and because of all the content that's thrown at people throughout the day, it's, it's ramped up such to epic levels. Right? So I think it's more like 10 to 15 at this point, touch points before people will take action. Right. So are you doing that? And listen, I get it. Startup nation. I used to struggle with this so much and occasionally I still do. I'm like, I told you once what I do and I invited you in one time. So either you want this or you don't or get out of my life. And that's kind of how I would show up. 
But people are hungry every single day, going back to the filet mignon example. And unfortunately, they got short-term like amnesia here, like because of all the noise on our devices. So as they walk by every day, they walk past your filet mignon house, you actually have to go out and invite them every single day. Now, if you don't want to do that, then you have to set up an automated marketing system that goes out and invites them every single day. Maybe it's a little voice box that says, come on inside, come on inside. And you just play it all day. What is that automation in your marketing that can invite people on a regular basis? But the point is you got to repeat it because people are so disconnected right now. They're just so stuck in the noise. Well, and not only disconnection, I mean, there's the noise piece, but let's say you have somebody engaging with the, with your business. You, you, now you've got the timing issue. Are you going to hit them at the right time when the pain is the greatest and where they engage? And then maybe you get on a phone call with them and they're like, okay, the, the, they know about you. The pain is great. They need you. They know they need you, but can they afford you? Right. And this is a, you know, another sticking point where I see a lot of people, you know, go, oh, it's okay. I'll work with you for free or I'll drop my pricing or whatever, you know, the, you know, that's not going to solve the issue. It's again, making sure that they know and continuing to invite them back into your business and, and follow up with them. You know, I, I have a follow-up sequence. Um, you know, I, I don't, Nobody tells me no. I mean, people say no to me. Don't get me wrong. But like, I don't hear no. I hear not now. And it's just how can I stay in service with them and stay connected um, for the long haul? And it doesn't have to be like, are you ready to buy now? Are you ready to buy now? No, it's, you know, I thought of you. You know, here's an article that could really help you. Um, You know, here's something that I saw today. Or here's a new tool that I came across or a new book that I read that I thought could really help you. And just being in service to people, but staying connected with them to, for the long haul, because eventually they will be like, this person has been there. They care about me. And now I have the pains great enough and I have the money to do it. I'm going to go to them. Now, Whitney, have you always had that uh, aggressive <laughs> persistence, right, with people in the, the selling process? Or did you have to get past some of your own head trash where, hey, I'm, I'm occurring pushy or I'm occurring like annoying or whatever by following up, by following up. Did that just come natural to you? Are you somebody that could just walk over to somebody over and over and over and over and over again without feeling bad about it? Or did you have to get past a lot of limitations in your head? You know, uh, you know early on when I labeled it as marketing and selling, yeah, I had the head trash, you know, for sure. I was like, I'm being pushy. Like nobody likes a pushy person. Um, but when I realized actually was in my first sales job and I realized I had a, you know, a boss at the time that was like, you're not being pushy. You're not being salesy, salesy. You're just, you know, feature needs benefits. You're helping them understand what their true problem is and that you can solve it. You know, you're doing that person a service and that's what you're being helpful and that we all want to be helpful. Okay. And when I finally connected those two dots, all I'm doing is being helpful for this person. You know, everything else just kind of like fell away, like all the rest of the noise. Like I had a complete reframing. And, um, you know, we all have to go through our own journeys to, to understand what that reframing is for us. But there are people out there that are pushy and, and you know, are all about, you know, I'm ready for you. You engage in my business, but I'm talking about 
service-based. How can you be in service of other people? And, you know, that, you know, who doesn't like somebody being helpful? Listen, I get it. All right. Startup Nation, you got to switch from selling to serving. Stop selling, start serving. That's who you are anyway. I know you all. You're big hearted. You love people. You just want to serve. You want to give. You want to do right by your family and your clients. Like just serve people until they tell you to stop and serve them again and again and again and keep serving them. Like it's really hard to get mad at someone who's showing up in love and serving. Really difficult. I, so I was camping um, with my daughter and one of her friends this weekend. She told when her friend told me a joke. She was like, what are the three things that are the hardest for people to say? I'm like, oh, certainly I can figure this joke out. But after a few minutes, I'm like, okay, I'm stumped. What? She was like, um, I'm sorry. I was like, mm. oh, okay. That's she was right. like, um, I need help. Oh. I was like, oh, totally. Totally. I get that. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the third Annabelle? She goes, Worcestershire sauce. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's hard too. <laughs> but yeah, the people have a hard time saying I need help. And that's really all you're doing when you're serving is giving help to somebody who cannot articulate those words for themselves. I think that was so good, even though it's a joke. I mean, there's so much psychology and truth in that i would just add the actual number three most difficult thing for humans to say is no is to say no to the things that actually aren't priorities in your life that don't align with your values now imagine that if you just took on this homework assignment, i think that was the biggest breakthrough of the show right there whitney is your daughter's joke like i'm being real with you Cause I do a lot of like psychology with my guys. Right. And like all of them, so many of the problems in their life, business and personal are caused by those three deficiencies in their language. They refuse to say, I'm sorry when they're wrong to their wife, to their kids, to their people. They refuse to ask for help when they're going under and they'll take their whole family with them rather than ask for help. And they refuse to say no to the wrong things in their life. And they end up misprioritizing the right things. And it's like, if you just clean up those three areas right here, right now, this week, Startup Nation, oh my gosh, your life will change. I promise you, your life will change. If you just practice those three, do the opposite. Whitney, thanks for that. That was huge. My pleasure. Yeah. She's, she's like, I came out to talk about real estate investing. <laughs> you know, again, you know, I'm here to serve, right? And so what is the what is the best piece uh, of what I have to give that would serve everybody? Like, that's what we're here to uncover. I agree. All right. Now, we've been talking with the great Whitney, the great Whitney, okay? And she's just showing up. She's delivering value. I already see her heart. I could see it all over her. Like she actually cares for people, right? Uh, she's not just in it for the money. Yet she's showing and sharing and teaching right here. Hey, here's how you can make more money by caring, by loving, by serving other people. Whatever industry you're in, Startup Nation. She's in real estate. What are you in? Like bring these tips, bring this wisdom into that business and watch everything shift. 
Now, Whitney, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the hustle round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show without the prizes. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I did that one breath. Go me. What's your favorite thing about running your own business? Uh, the responsibility. Yeah. What's your least favorite thing? responsibility (laughs) (laughs) i i mean all kidding aside um i i love the fact that um it's all up to me yeah you know whether i succeed whether i fail it's you know and the end of the day the vision the strategy all lies with me totally true i believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life it's just part of the human condition what are you currently challenged with right now either professionally or personally um well i would you know how they're tangled together like if you're struggling with something professionally it's seeping over in your personal life and vice versa so i wholly believe that you you know they're one in the same for me it's um i'm hitting that next level of achievement to where i have to now go back to those things you know we were talking before the show about immunity change those things that i kind of set aside saying i'll work on that later mm-hmm. that's there i have to start working on those. it's things. later it's later times now <laughs> It's later. What are you most afraid of? Uh, being locked in a box. <laughs> wow, that was specific. Uh, I don't know. Were we talking about business? No, that's great. Okay. Just in general. I love I love the answers I get. What do you what did you spend way too much time doing your first year in this business? Overthinking the tactics and not thinking enough about the vision um what i was truly trying to do in the strategy that i needed to execute on it i was trying to chase down shiny objects and and tactics thinking that the next app was going to solve my pain points and it wasn't it all lied with me yeah what secret fear do you have about people hi you know i and i think this is a pretty common fear fear is that they won't like you right you know um you know we all want to be liked you know i have an 11 year old and you know she spent 45 minutes trying to pick out the right clothes today to go to camp and i'm like they're gonna be dirty by the end of the day who cares right like but you know you know we all deep down have that need to be liked so true what do you wish you had learned sooner in business that i can't serve everybody um you know there are going to be you know 20 percent that are my evangelists 20 percent that hate me, hate me and then the the messy middle is the six percent sixty percent that i have to meet them where they're at and match step and lead them mm. you know learning to say no to all the ones that are not your people so yeah, difficult just be okay right? with it. yeah just be okay with it it's just like okay great okay get out of my world you're in my way what uh what's a new habit you're going to create this year um so many habits. What is a new habit? Uh, you know, for me is uh, I'm focused on doing my first high altitude or, or 17 miler over a almost a 14,000 foot pass. So um, I have a lot of health habits around that. Like, you know, I have my health habits, but I have to really double down and like be very diligent on all of those. So that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was kind of a, a, a leap before you look type moment, but I'm glad that <laughs> I'm glad we're going there. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, just three. Uh, loving, 
driven um, and dedicated. Yeah, very good. Pick three words to describe who you were your first year in this business. Ignorant. <laughs> Blissfully ignorant. There's two. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, isolated, I think. I think mm. I was so, so, so on my own island that I didn't know what was going on. You know, that is so many entrepreneurs when they start out. Ignorant and isolated. Absolutely. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye, your husband, your kids, and give them only one piece of advice about real success, true success in business and life, what would you say to them? Well, I, something that I live by is um, life's of adventure, and I want to ride all the rides. And so not putting things off for later you know, there's no better time than now to get it all done. All right, let's go. What's the homework assignment for Startup Nation that you want to give this week? Yeah, sit down with those three questions. What do you want? Why do you want it? And who do you have to become to get it? And when you think about who do you have to become to get it, what mindset skills and, and people do you need in your world to achieve it? And then, you know, focus on those, you know, where are you getting stuck? You know, where are you not saying, I'm sorry? Where are you not saying, I need help? And then what are those things that you need to say your no to? Boom, drop it, let's go. Startup Nation, did you enjoy the show? If you did, then, uh, you know, let's go write a really awesome, amazing review for Miss Whitney. She showed up, she was loving, she served you. And if we like what you write, we'll go ahead and give you a live shout out on the show. And uh, I'm just bringing up some reviews right here. In the meantime, while I'm doing that, Whitney, go ahead and uh, share what you got for Startup Nation. Where do you want them to go? How do they find out more about you? What do you got for them? Yeah. If you want to build um, a passive real estate portfolio, you check me out at PassiveInvestingWithWhitney.com. Um, I've got a free ebook if you're wanting to learn more, learn more about our open deals. And if you want one-on-one -on -one help, check me out at ashwealth.com. Look at this. Man, she just dropped those asks for you. And uh, I'm going to quote Whitney here. She wrote a five-star review before she came on the show on May 15th. Here we go. It says, provocative show. Joseph is on the cutting edge with his show. I look forward to more episodes. Let's go, Whitney. All right, Startup Nation. Go write your review. Whitney's awesome. And uh, check her out if uh, she's the right fit for you. She's the right gal for you. And uh, Whitney, thank you for being on your first 100K. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life. Thank you. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? 
if any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.